That is that not an incredibly powerful, powerful story? Somebody's life was changed, his marriage was changed by a simple invitation. If that does not motivate you, I don't know what will. So I hope we will all take advantage of next Sunday. Well, hello, my name is Kim. What's yours? Good to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, so what do you think when you got handed that name tag when you came in? If you're here for the first time, this is the first time we've ever done this. So, so I, I'm wondering how you, what you thought, how you felt. Like how many of you were like, this is awesome. And you right away wrote your name and slapped it on there. How many of that was, that was your story? Uh, a, couple, a couple of you. How many of the rest of you were like, what in the world? You've got to be kidding me. I am not wearing a stupid name tag. Go ahead. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Well, if you're like Scott Ginsburg, you thought it was a pretty awesome thing because he's been wearing a name tag for 14 years. He started wearing it in college just as a joke, but then he kept it going because he just loved the reaction that he would get. He said instantly people were were really friendlier and uh, all the girls were saying hi to him and stuff. So he decided to wear a name tag all day, every day for the rest of his life. And now it's been the basis of 27 books that he's written and his business as a speaker and a strategist. Can you imagine every morning he's like, Why, uh, honey, where's my name tag? Where's my name tag? You know? And he says this about it. He says, what surprised me was not so much how other people changed, but how I changed. I became friendlier and far more open. It's really interesting, isn't it? Well, I'm going to shift gears on you for a moment. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about L and S. How many of you have been wondering, what in the world is L and S? Have you been guessing what it stands for? How many of you are like, uh, you know? Well, basically, we're going to talk about churches this morning. And we're going to talk about L churches, which are kind of larger churches. And then we're going to talk about S churches, which are kind of smaller churches. Currently, FCF, we have about 1,700 people coming through the doors uh, any given Sunday here at FCF. So we would obviously be considered a larger church, but we haven't always been that. I remember the days when we were about 100 people or even less coming through the, days, uh, coming through the doors on a Sunday. So we definitely have been a smaller church as well. And you know, there's really advantages to both. So we're going to do a little bit of audience participation here, not just raising your hands, but you get to shout out at me again. So what would you say are some of the advantages of being a larger church? Resources, opportunities to serve, awesome worship, more people, huh? further reaching ministries. Man, those are great answers. And if I were to sum them all up, what I hear you saying is, instead of me writing them all down, <laughs> in a larger church, you sort of have these expanded opportunities. You know, there's just a lot more happening, you know, here and abroad and so forth. And then there's sort of like this energy. There's this excitement. You know, just whenever you're in a crowd, there's always more energy and excitement, right? So, so we'll, we'll sum it up that way, okay? Now, how about a smaller church? Because it has its advantages too. What would you say are the advantages of a, of a smaller church? Everybody knows everybody. Serving opportunities, because every, everybody's got to do every, take care of everything. Yeah, yeah. Pastor knows everybody. Connection, yeah. Okay, so if I sum it all up, what I hear you saying is, do you like the way I do that? Yeah. In a smaller church, you're going to be known. Everybody knows and are known, you know. And there's this 
different kind of feelings to the excitement. You get a feeling of family, closeness, family. So, so basically, when we kind of look at this, it's like there's advantages to both. So when someone decides that they're going to get connected in a local church, it seems that this is the reality, that a smaller church just isn't going to have the same amount of opportunities that a larger church has for involvement. There's going to be fewer programs, ministries, groups, and it's just going to have a harder time kind of creating that exciting and, and energy and, and so forth, an energized environment. But this is also the reality. Although someone's going to get some expanded opportunities and, and feeling of excitement in a larger church, the thing is, is it's going to be really hard for them to feel known Known, they're going to kind of feel like just another face in the crowd. And while it might be real exciting, that feeling of family, mm, that's going to be really, really hard to get, isn't it, to experience. So it would seem that for people today wanting to connect with the local church, if you want this, then you're going to have to forfeit that. And if you want that, well, then you're going to have to forfeit this. It's plain and simple. It's either this or it's that. So here's a question for each of us here today. Which one's more important to you? Which is more important? If you're here for the first time, I wonder how you would answer that question. Which one is more important to you? But maybe a far more important question is this. Which one is more important to God? You know, if we walk ourselves through the New Testament, there's no doubt that relationships are really, really important to God. There's a whole series of verses in the New Testaments. We call them the one another's, and they're all about relationships. And they talk about how we are to accept one another and honor one another and to be kind and compassionate to one another and to encourage one another. And it says love one another deeply from the heart. These verses aren't about this. These verses are all about that. They are all about being known and relating to one another in this very family kind of way. So maybe we got it all wrong. You know, what if the larger church is, is, is just not what God wants? It, what, what if we should actually be striving to stay small, to stay a small church, not to grow it larger? Don't invite anybody next week to Easter Sunday. Could that be what God wants? <laughs> Thank you. Was that a little kid? I thought so. <laughs> we can only come to that conclusion if we ignore vast portions of Scripture in the New Testament, starting with these words from Jesus himself that is recorded in Matthew's Gospel. To his disciples, he said this. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. The church that Jesus was talking about, it wasn't a building. Jesus wasn't talking about walls and so forth. He was talking about a community of people. People who have returned to him, their creator, in trust, and now choose to follow him, as Randy says all the time, freely, fully, and forever. Jesus is saying, I will build my community of followers, and not even the gates of hell could ever overpower this community. That sounds like a pretty large church, doesn't it? 
And then in the book of Acts, it's a, it's a book in the New Testament that actually records the history of, the, of uh, the early church. And we see just how rapidly Jesus started building his church. In the opening pages, we read about Christ's church, his community of followers. They were only a little bit over 100 maybe. There was just a small band of people. But after Peter, one of his disciples, stood up in front of a large crowd, crowd and he, he just proclaimed who Jesus was, who Jesus is, the church just experienced this tremendous immediate growth. In Acts 2, it says, those who accepted his message, meaning Peter's message that day, they were baptized. And then what's it say? About 3,000 were added to their number that day, 3,000. And then it goes on and tells us how they kept, they continued to meet together as this church, a community of believers and followers of Christ. And it says, and the Lord added to their number, how often? Daily. Those who were being saved. So as we continue to read on in the New Testament, we learn this from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church of the city of Ephesus. He says, from him, he's speaking of Christ, the whole body meaning the church, the community of followers, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. What does it do? It grows. It grows. And we've already known that's numbers. It grows as it builds itself up in love as well. So without a doubt, Jesus plans for his church to grow larger and larger as more people return to their loving creator and trust him. But at the same time, there's no doubt that Christ wants his church To be this relational community where people are known and they feel like a family. So how in the world do we do that? I mean, how do we make the church that Jesus is building both large and small at the same time? And is that even possible? Well, actually here at FCF, we've created what we think is a solution to this dilemma. Our solution is circles. Circles. You see, when you come in here on a Sunday service and you pick a seat, your seat is in a row. And we always say, rows are great for teaching and for receiving. But the problem with rows, does anybody know? Nobody knows in rows. It's kind of like sitting in a movie theater. You know, you just sit, you got your blinders on, you're looking straight ahead, you're surrounded by people, but you don't know anybody and you don't care to know anybody, right? You kind of take the movie theater concept into church. Nobody knows in rows. But, but circles change that. You see, when it comes to being known, and experiencing a feeling of family and a feeling of belonging, circles, they're the way to go, man. They're the way to go. So you got to step out of your row and get into a circle, like a growth group or a club or a serving team. And you see, when you and I get plugged into any one of these circles, well, it's, it's there, and, and it's then that we will be known, and we'll experience this sense of family then. So there you go. Problem solved. Or is it? Maybe not. I mean, here's the reality. It doesn't always work that way. It doesn't always work that way when someone steps into a circle. I mean, if you join a club, well, clubs usually meet about once a month. And then what if you miss a month? Hmm. Kind of hard to build a relationship. And if you're serving on a, a serving team like the mowing team, well, you're not having a lot of conversation with other team members. Just out there on your mower. It's a great time with God. Now, growth groups, they really are the best way to be known and get this sense of family, but, but not all of them are designed to focus on this community-building, relationship-building kind of thing. We have 
groups like Financial Peace University, they're very topic-driven, and they run more like a class. So if you get into that circle, again, you're not really experiencing this. You're learning a lot about your finances, though, to help you. So the circle doesn't always accomplish what we want. But you know what? Let's just imagine that it did. Let's just imagine that somehow everyone who stepped out of the row and into a circle, they actually did become known and experienced this sense of family and belonging. It actually worked 100% of the problem. Would the problem be solved then? Have we made Jesus a church, both large and small? We still got another problem. The problem is the gap. The gap. You see, there's this big old gap between the time that I first walk through the doors of FCF until I step out of my row and into a circle. And there's a gap because it might take me weeks, it might take me months, Hex, it could take me years before I'm ready to make that big of a step. And the reason it takes time is because you got to convince me you got to convince me that stepping out of my row and into a circle is valuable and an important step for me to take in my life because there's a lot of discomfort associated with that. Maybe even some fear that I have about stepping out of my row and into a circle of strangers, right? Strangers. So there's a serious problem for the church Jesus is building because too often something devastating happens in the gap. You lose me. When life gets too busy, it just gets too hectic. Well, the easiest thing for me to do is just to drop that whole church thing. Because nobody really knows me anyhow. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not. Nobody's going to notice. Nobody even knows my name. I don't know about you, but something's not right. I mean, I just have this really hard time believing that Jesus' plan for his church is, is this, the church that he's building. I mean, there's got to be a better way, doesn't it? I, and I think if we really look at the scriptures, I think we'll find something in there that really is a better way, and it really is the solution to the problem. There's a better plan, and it's this. In the scriptures, it tells us in the New Testament, it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. That's what it says. Several times throughout the New Testament, greet one another with a holy kiss. So there you go. Talk about being known and having a sense of family, right? We just need to start, you know, greeting each other with holy kisses. No hair smelling, just holy kisses. (laughs) Sounds kind of creepy, doesn't it? Sounds kind of creepy. So so that's, for right now, we're going to set this idea just aside, okay? I know it's going to be hard to get it out of your head now, but let's let's just set the holy kissing aside, and we're going to come back to that, and I'm going to promise you it's not going to be so creepy when we come back, okay? Let's talk about something else. Do you remember your first time at FCF? And if today's your first time, really easy for you to remember, isn't it? When someone accepts an invitation to come and see to come and see what's going on at FCF Church, one of the things that excites me most is just knowing that they have this opportunity to hear about Jesus. And I mean the truth about him, the truth about God and what he is really like, how he is good, how he is loving, how he is kind, how he is gracious, 
how he is merciful and forgiving, how much he loves them and he has a plan and a purpose for their lives. Someone getting to hear about Jesus excites me so much. But there's this other opportunity that I'm so afraid might be easily missed. And it's the opportunity to meet Jesus, to meet him. Look at what the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Corinthian church. And he's saying it to FCF Church today. He says, together, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of that body. The entire 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it talks about how all of us together, the community of followers of Christ, we're all these different parts. There's hands and there's feet and so forth. But together, we make up one body the body of Christ, in other words, his church, the church that he is building. You see, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus allowed his physical body to be crucified on a cross, all this so that he could demonstrate the depth of his love for us, a love that is unconditional and it's a sacrificial. He says, I love you so much, I will die for you. That's how much I love you, unconditional and sacrificial. But then he came back to life in a new body that we're going to celebrate next week on Easter, on the third day, in this resurrection body that eventually, after spending a little bit of time on the earth, he ascended back into heaven. But his physical body, it remained on the earth now in a different way. And it still remains on the earth today. So hang with me as we keep unpacking this. In his letter to the Galatian church, Paul said this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me because I trust him and I'm following him. Christ lives in me. And if that's true of you, then Christ lives in you. We no longer live. Christ is living in us. We are the physical body of Christ living on the earth today. Can you let that sink in? We are the physical body of Christ living on the earth today. Christ lives in you, Christ lives in me, Christ lives in us. Christ lives on in physical form on this earth because we are the body of Christ. So therefore, anyone walking through the doors of FCF on any given Sunday, they shouldn't just hear about Jesus as important as that is. They should also be meeting Jesus, encountering him up close and personal through his followers. Because we are the body of Christ. We are his feet that take the step that walk over to meet someone. We are his hands that reach out with a warm welcome, a comforting touch. We are his smile that communicates warmth and kindness. We are his voice that says, I'm so glad you're here. It's so good to meet you. So here's a really important question for each one of us. Are people meeting Jesus through me on Sundays at FCF Church? Are people meeting Jesus through me? Now, you might be thinking, yeah, I'm a a friendly person. I smile and I greet people. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Sup? Sup? But actually, that's the problem. You see, if we want to meet, if we want people to meet Jesus through us, then the first thing we've got to do is we've got to stop greeting. We just, as a church, let's just stop greeting. 
Janet Krager is our care and missions pastor here at FCF, and she shared something in a staff meeting one time I found fascinating. She said that she had read this article that talked about foreigners' impressions of the United States, and it went something along the lines of this. It says that Americans are big on greeting, but just because they greet you enthusiastically doesn't mean they want to be your friend. Is that not true? Ouch. We all know it's true, don't we? We like smiling and saying, hello, good morning, but we, just, we want to keep moving, right? Don't slow me down, man. I'm getting somewhere. I got somewhere to be. I want to be friendly, but don't hold me up. Don't hold me up. Good morning. Good morning. But if we want people to meet Jesus through us, then we've got to stop greeting and we've got to start engaging, engaging. You see, greeting someone, it's really, it's just kind of about me. It makes me feel good about myself. I'm a friendly person, you know, but engaging someone, it's all about them. It's saying that you matter. Engaging is this different experiences, this experience that takes both you and that person to this different level. One in which they begin to feel like they're known because someone wants to know them. And rather than being overwhelmed by this large crowd of strangers, they experience something personal. Something that just might feel a little bit like family. So let's talk about the difference between greeting and engaging people. I think the big difference between greeting someone and engaging someone is the holy kiss. The holy kiss. I told you we were coming back to that, right? Four times in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he urges churches to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, just like everything we read in the scriptures, we've got to consider the cultural context. And the holy kiss in the days of the early church, well, it was a, a sign of a greeting, much like our handshake or our fist bump, you know, only something more. It, it signified this sincere desire to connect and know one another, to bond with one another as a community. And isn't that what every human heart longs for? to connect with other human beings, to be part of a genuine and a loving community, to know and be known. Isn't that what we long for? So for those of you who are freaking out right now, I'm not saying that we should be doing the holy kiss thing today. I'm afraid too many of the kisses would not be so holy. Um, <laughs> But I do believe there's an application for the church today. Something we can do that connects us and bonds us in a deeper way as a community. And it's what I call the name exchange. You see, for us, I think a holy kiss today equals a name exchange. Hello, my name is Kim. What's yours? Now, you may have not thought that to be a very powerful thing, but when you just stop and think about it, how are we known? We are known when someone knows our names. We are known by our name. Who am I? I am Kim. That's who I am, and that's how I'm known. If someone just says hi to me, they're simply being friendly. But when someone says hi, Kim, that says I am known. Or when someone doesn't know me, but they ask me what my name is, it says to me that they want to know me. And that communicates something really important to me. It communicates that I matter. 
that I matter in this big old world. So again, can we just let, let that really sink in the, and feel the power in simply asking someone what their name is? We're communicating to them that they matter. But, but what if they think I'm weird if I go up and say my name is and what's your name? What if they think, trust me, trust me on this. It is not weird in church to go up to somebody and say, hello, my name is, what's yours? It, it might be weird if you go up to a stranger in Walmart. That will be weird. But it is not weird in church. As a matter of fact, it's weird if we don't do this because church is supposed to be filled with people who are trying to learn to love the way Christ, our creator, loves so it's weird if we don't. So how do we make Jesus' church both large and small? We stop greeting and we start engaging because we are the body of Christ. People will hear about Jesus from this stage, but they will meet Jesus through us. Now you might be thinking, okay, that's fine for you people who call yourselves Christian, some of you, you know, but I'm, I'm not there yet, Kim. You know, I'm still kind of just thinking about this whole Jesus thing. So ain't nobody meeting Jesus through me. You know, you might be thinking that. And that's okay. They may not meet Jesus through you, but they will meet you. And you will meet them. You will know and you will be known by another human being in a community that is learning to love like Jesus loves. And that is a beautiful and wonderful thing when that happens. So let's, let's get real practical now, okay? When it comes to engaging people in church, we have what I call some ideal engagement zones, okay? These are places where it's just natural to engage somebody so you and I, can, we can start to approach these places in a different kind of way. Engagement zone number one is the coffee bar, but we got to approach it in a different way. And instead of focus, you know, focusing on, oh my goodness, i got to get me some coffee to stay awake during service. Instead, we can like lift up our heads and look around us and we can engage with the person next to us who just might need to meet Jesus on that day. Another good engagement zone is in the kids' check-in area and down the hallway and in the kids' classrooms. Instead of being so hyper-focused just on our kids, what if we started getting focused on the other parents and connecting with them, especially the parents that are in the same classroom, you know, where our kids are in the same classroom? What an awesome opportunity to engage. Now, this next engagement zone, it's for women only. It's the bathroom. I know you men don't talk in the bathroom and shouldn't. That's good. But you'd be surprised how chatty women can be in a bathroom. An important caveat is only engage in the sink area, not in the stalls. Okay? But here, the most, powerful, the most powerful engagement zone is this. It's the section where we sit. The section where we sit. How many of you sit in the same section every Sunday? Let me see. Uh, I know more of you do than that. You're just not raising your hands. How many of you notice a lot of the same people in your section, too, but you have no idea who they are? You see, we've given in to this idea that nobody knows in rows, but it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We can change that. What if our section became our own personal little small church? And we started engaging with all the people in our section, just really getting to know each other, learning each other's names, asking questions that communicate, I really want to get to know you. 
How long have you been coming to FCF? How long have you lived in this area? How was your week? And then when someone new sits in our small church, we, we say, hi, my name is Kim. I sit in this section all the time, but we haven't met. What's your name? It's really good to meet you, Linda. Let me introduce you to Laura and Andy because they sit in front of me all the time. And then next week, Linda comes back because someone made her feel like she mattered. She was noticed. So we say again, hi, Linda, because we put her name in our phone and we practiced it all week long. Hi, Linda. It's good to see you again. I'm really glad you're back. How was your week? That's how we connect as human beings. That's how we create a community that is genuine and it cares about each other. That's how people meet Jesus through us. And that's how we partner with Jesus in building his church, his plan for his church. It is not this or that. His plan for his church is this and that without any gap. Because he wants being known and a feeling of family to start in our rows on Sundays at our services. We don't need to be like Scott Ginsburg and wear a name tag. You're not going to see these next week. We need to be the name tag. Be the name tag. People who just authentically, on our own, we reach out to someone and we simply say, hello, my name is... What's yours? Now, I know there's somebody out there thinking, well, when am I supposed to do that? You know, we're busy in the service. Let me give you, let me give you three engagement times. One is before the service starts because you arrive a little bit early. Ouch. <laughs> just a few minutes. Just a few minutes early. You'd, amaze, you'd be amazed how much connecting can happen in a few minutes if you're in your seat before the service starts. During the offering, we got about a minute. So you got somebody on that side of you and that side of you. We're not going to tell you to do it. That would just be contrived. We want it to come from you, your heart. So why not take that moment as you pass that basket? Hey, my name's Kim. How you doing? Good to see you again. And then what if instead of bolting out that door before the last song or when the last song starts, you actually say, you know what? This really matters. I'm going to stay a few minutes through the entire service. And I'm going to take a few minutes after it. I'm going to connect. I'm going to engage. Hey, my name is Kim. What's yours? Powerful. Powerful. Does anybody know what this is? Can you see it? Here, right there. Can't see it, can you? This is the key to everything IKEA. It's the cam lock. The cam lock. How many of you love Ikea as much as I do? Well, let me see your hands on that one. I didn't see that much enthusiasm. I love Ikea. And one of the things I love about Ikea is how much in common it has with the church. There's a tons in common. Think about it. When you buy a dresser at Ikea, how do you take it home? In a box, right? It's in a box. So you don't actually have a dresser just yet. You have the parts to a dresser in a box. So you have to take them out, properly assemble, and connect all the parts tightly before you have a dresser. And the key to connecting all those parts is this tiny, seemingly insignificant piece called a cam lock. And it's the same with the church, believe it or not. See, gathering together in a big box 
once a week, that doesn't make us a church. It's as we truly connect with one another in relationships that we become the church that Christ is building. And the key to connecting, connecting with other people in relationships, it all begins with this tiny, seemingly insignificant thing, the name exchange. Because just think about it. Think about it. Every, every relationship, every relationship you've ever had, you have now, it began with, my name is, what's yours? It's the beginning of every relationship. Can we start today to be the name tag? Just be the name tag. We're going to close our time together by celebrating communion. It's this tangible reminder of connection. Our connection with Christ and our connection with one another as those who are trusting and following him through this life. So in just a moment, the ushers are going to come forward. Um, They're going to dismiss you row by row. And when they do, your row will just come to the front of the section. You'll pick up the elements A little bit of a change we're doing now. You pick up two little cups stacked together. The bottom one has the bread. The top one has the juice. So you can just take those apart. Return to your seat. Um, If you need to leave for any reason, uh, the time that your row is called would be the time that you can kind of exit out. If you're here for the first time, uh, we hope that you are staying with us during this celebration of the Lord's Supper. But if you need to leave, we would ask that you just exit through Guest Central on the right-hand side of the auditorium. Uh, We just would really like to meet you personally before you leave. So if the ushers will come forward, you can go ahead and dismiss the rows. Well, next Sunday is Easter, and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. The time when he showed himself alive on the third day after being crucified on a Roman cross. It was just days before this that he had a meal with his disciples. And while they were eating the meal, the scriptures tell us that Jesus actually took some bread and he, and he broke it and he passed it around, gave some to each of them, these broken pieces. And when he did that, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And then the scriptures tell us that after they'd eaten the meal, after supper, then he took the cup and he, and he gave thanks for that. And, and then he passed it around for each of them to have a drink. And he said this to them. He said, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Now, I can only imagine how confusing, how bewildering this all was, what he was saying, because they didn't know what we now know, that on that very night, Jesus would be betrayed by one of their own, one of his 12 that had followed him for three and a half years, that he would be arrested, that he would be beaten, that he would undergo a mock trial, and that he would hang on a cross. And die. Jesus' intention was that for his church throughout the generations, right down to us today, to continue this practice until he returns, his second coming 
on this planet. So each time we take this juice and this bread together as his church, the church that he is building, he wants us to remember how he sacrificed himself for us so that we could know and understand how wide and how long, how high and how deep his love really is. It's a reminder every single time. And I think today as we take the bread, the bread that represents his broken body for us, I'm pretty sure he wants us to remember how we are now his body on this planet. He wants us to remember how people meet him through us and how it all starts with a simple, a simple little hello, my name is. What's yours? So let's take the bread and the juice together now as just this tangible reminder of his love for each one of us, that we are his body connected to him and connected to one another in love. So let's take the bread together. And let's take the juice together. And will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this reminder once again of just how much you love us, how your love is a sacrificial love for us. And we thank you for reminding us that we are your church, the church that you are building, and that we are your body on this earth. And there isn't a person that we don't meet that we can't introduce you, that they can't meet you through us. May we never take that lightly. May we be the name tag from this day forward, Lord Jesus. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Your name we pray. Amen.